This is Michael Blackstone with Lead Talk Radio, and today we've got a, uh, a interview with Jack Rayside. He's the director of Recovery Through Christ Ministries uh, here just outside of Duffield, actually in Jasper, uh, part of Lee County. And one of the things that we we want to get across in this interview is uh, about Recovery Through Christ Ministries, what it has to do. Um, how it impacts our community, and uh, you know what's going on in the, in their program. So, Jack, I'm going to ask you some questions, and you kind of take it away. Tell us about Recovery Through Christ Ministries and about the program. Well, the basic program we're reaching out to people who have an interest in living a sober lifestyle, and so we're reaching out to people within the community people who are also incarcerated in the various regional jails here in Southwest Virginia, uh, moving upon them, asking them if they have an interest in knowing more about the Lord and his capabilities of releasing them from their drug or alcohol or both predicament. So we've been here now since May. We're just getting started, getting underway. And so part of what we're trying to do is share with the community what's taking place within our ministry and uh, what God, what the Lord is trying to do within Southwest Virginia concerning this drug and alcohol epidemic here in this community. I see on, on a, a brochure that it's, uh, I really like what it says here. It's, you know, serious about getting sober we are offering a ministry, a program directed towards affecting your heart. We're open to men who are fed up with being messed up on drugs and alcohol. And if being cool is hanging around with people still craving the chemicals, then we don't want to be cool anymore. Such an awesome statement. You know, it's, it's, it's kind of like the elephant in the room. All of us in Lee County, uh, you, you pretty much would have to have your head buried in the sand to know that there's not a drug problem but I don't think anybody really has the, the full answer on how do we impact that and so on. So programs like this um, become very important in the community all through Lee County and, uh, and the, the surrounding areas. And it really, it really does go with what you're saying here that look, if, if being part of those types of things and taking drugs and and having all the problems that go along with that if that's what you're into and that you think that's cool then you know we don't want to be cool here so first of all you know we appreciate that this program is is uh, going on uh jack tell us a little about yourself um what uh you're you're the director here but how did you get into this and you know what's what's the short on your resume so to speak <laughs> I, I'm 73 years old, so short is a little complicated at this point in life. Um, what, what brings me in and what my concern is and my, uh, my burden is, is that I come from a drug and an alcohol abusive background. Came from a wonderful family. Mom and dad loved me, so I could not blame them for my particular issues. I was just out for cheap thrills. This is going back in the 60s and the 70s. Everybody wanted to be a hippie, everybody wanted to get high, run around, party. So I found myself out in California enjoying the easy life. I had just gotten out of the army, I realized I could go to college free, 
there in California. And so I was actually collecting an unemployment check. I was collecting a check through the GI Bill. And so I didn't have to work a day uh, while I spent a year out there attending college, getting stoned, just living the, the easy, casual lifestyle. After about nine months there in California, though, I started feeling something was missing. And that was an issue because at the age of 15, 16, living in Philadelphia, having grown up there, I had always wanted to be in Southern California. I'm exactly where I always wanted to be. And now I'm feeling there's got to be something more to life. That just didn't fit and began to, to basically upset me because I began to dwell upon it and realize the partying, the wine, women, and song wasn't efficient any longer. I needed a bigger high, a cheaper thrill. I didn't know what, it, what I needed. Um, I began meeting about a month and a half later after all this turmoil, emotional turmoil began to occur. I began meeting Christian people. Three times in about a month and a half, Christians coming to me, God loves you, has a wonderful plan for your life. At that point, I didn't believe in any God, no Bible, no Jesus. I thought it was a lot of nonsense. So basically, I mocked them, argued with them, and I tried to push them out of, out of my life or out of my way. I was arrogant, and I was a self-centered individual, and, and I felt very comfortable being who I was. Make a long story short, I began to go to the college library trying to undermine Christianity. I knew the historians, the philosophers, somebody was going to be on my side and see it from my perspective. The more I studied, the more I evaluated, the more I realized that I was the issue, that these people who were writing about the history of Christ, they weren't capable of undermining it because they were going back to the biblical accounts or the early church accounts, and basically what they were doing was substantiating what I had already learned as a little kid growing up in Sunday school, that, that Jesus was the Savior, or at least it was reported that he had died on that cross in Jerusalem. I'm home alone about two weeks before this event. I started as a little child, started thinking, Jesus is the Savior. He really, it is really true. He died for me on that cross. I began reading a pamphlet about this man, Tom Skinner, who grew up in Harlem, New York. 20 years old now, this is going back in the mid-50s. He became a gang member and then a gang leader of a couple hundred people there in New York City. He said that once you joined the gang, you could not quit. Um, he had firebombed people's homes that tried to quit. He had dropped people off six-story roofs. And so now he's at home. The next evening, they're going to have a gang war with two other gangs. So he's plotting how they're going to cause turmoil and confusion with these other two gangs. Said about a thousand people would be in this involved with this gang war. He puts on uh, the radio. There's an old hick preacher talking about Jesus. That night, Tom prays and asks Jesus to forgive him to be his savior and Lord. The next day, he goes into a burned-out building to meet his two two hundred gang members. He sits on a stool and he begins to refer to them, explain to them what happened the night before. I accepted the Lord. Something has happened in my life. I know someone is going to get killed to, tonight. So because of that, I cannot lead you. 
He gets up off his stool, turns his back, walks out of the building, runs on home. The next day, he sees the second toughest guy in the gang with his sidekick coming down the street. They yell, hey, Tom, get over here. We want to talk to you. And so Tom braces himself, realizing, oh, man, thinking, I'm going to get jacked up. I'm going to get stabbed on the streets of Harlem because I quit the gang last night. The conversation ensued. The second toughest man began asking Tom about questions of about this Jesus and, and what had gone on. And he made this statement. He said, Tom, when you got up and you turned your back on me, I was sitting right next to you on my stool. And I tried to get up and put my knife. I had a knife in my hand. I tried to get up off that chair and put my knife in your back. But Tom, I couldn't move. Something was holding me down. And I spoke to three or four other guys in the crowd. We were all trying to get up to get you, Tom. But we couldn't. What's this stuff about Jesus? And that day, in that burnout building in the middle of Harlem, the second toughest guy in the gang prayed and trusted Christ as a Savior and Lord. That was the emotional impact that I needed. I knew it in my mind that it was true, but hearing that story, I realized, oh my, I have to do what Tom did. Not just know, but I needed to make a commitment. And that night, I made that commitment. Something happened powerful happened in my life and the drugs and the alcohol and that crazy insane lifestyle and the emptiness which was probably even more important than, than my drug and alcohol use that emptiness disappeared that very night the next morning I'm going across the the, uh, the, the, the kitchen floor and I heard a voice in my head and it said what are you going to do for God today and I stopped because I was an, a self-centered individual. I never thought about what I'm going to do for anybody else except for Jack Rayside. And now I hear that. What am I going to do for God today? And that began to change my life. Because every morning I'd wake up and I'd start thinking, what am I going to do for the Lord today? And just that little, that principle, that little thought bomb began to change my behavior, my structure, patterns in life, whew, and everything turned upside down. So when I realized, man, Jesus can take a guy like me and transform my life through his power, I think he can do it in anybody's life. And so that's part of the history or the background. That's how we got started. And uh, from then went off to Christian college, uh, a couple other colleges, just studying and asking for God's direction. We got into evangelism in Philadelphia, worked for a good-sized church there. We started another church in Philly, went up to New York City. We planted a church in the Bronx up there, spent about 18 years ministering in that church, and then up into to Vermont, a little place called St. John's, St. Johnsbury, Vermont. <laughs> spent four years up there, wonderful, wonderful ministry. Um, up there and it was a house we had a house we bring in about eight guys from jail from the streets and we would disciple train them up all coming from drug and alcohol backgrounds messy 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 how powerful and how wonderful it was to see God come down out of heaven and transform so many people's lives not all they all don't make it but so many made it and and so I'm thrilled to be here in Southwest Virginia. We're just starting out. Good things are happening already. And, uh, and, and 
God's in the midst of this ministry, which is so exciting, which is so exciting, and we just want to want to thank him for allowing us to be a, a party together and to see some good things happen for him. That's awesome. Such a great such a great story. And so why Lee County? What brought you to Lee County? You're in Vermont and these other places in uh so how did you come across <laughs> Lee County? You're Virginia? asking for it, brother. I'm gonna tell it. <laughs> uh so we're up in up in Vermont. It's an enjoyable ministry. There was a little havoc when we first started, but now everything's smoothing out. We have people in leadership. Things, things are going well. Um, I lived at that point. I've been up there now for about three and a half years. I lived in a parsonage, and it was, again, very nice, pristine uh, circumstance for me. I'm in a room, and I hear a voice. And it says, get ready to go. It's almost time to leave. It's up on the second floor be bedroom. I still, still can envision it. I didn't think much about it. Next week, get ready to go. It's almost time to leave. Same room, same voice. Third week, get ready to go. It's almost time to leave. I spoke to my wife. I said, Tina, I think maybe God's saying it's almost time to leave. Four months later, we realized it's time to leave. Events, circumstances, and we found ourselves down here. My son is the associate pastor over there at the First Baptist Church at Pennington Gap. That was a, let's say, the social pull, but I'm not down here because of him or his wife or, or my dear grandchildren. Every time I thought about going or trying to position, be positioned in another ministry or area, just no peace, just no peace. The only peace that I, I sensed was coming here and I didn't know exactly what I was getting into because I'm, I'm from the city, from, from New York and Philadelphia. Came down here, uh, we enjoyed it, we began to move towards ministry. So we start, uh, started a recovery ministry on Monday nights where the community can come out and we can relate and socialize and teach and minister to people there in the community over there in Pennington. Then in January, of 2020 decided five people got together in a room decided let's start a recovery home and so 15 months later we opened up this facility and uh, the lord has brought things together he it's it's wonderful to see how he connects when when he's in it he begins to connect people together and i, I i've got some issues and i have some liabilities and uh I'm not the most capable person in the room, but so I, I, I'm forced to depend upon him because I, I realize <laughs> I, I have some personal issues, but it's so glorious and so wonderful to realize that, that when he calls and when he puts forth his purposes, just, just to be a part of it is exciting and thrilling for me. So let's talk about some, some, maybe some of the moving parts of the program. Um, so I'm going to ask some, some questions that are um, maybe a little bit in the, uh, into the activity and involvement stage. So um, first of all, briefly, uh, you've, you've got the facility open here now. Um, what's, the, what's the future goals? Have you been able to get entrenched enough to have goals or you plan on expanding because right now is the way I understand it this facility is for men 
and uh, who are, are wanting to get their sobriety or, or problems straightened out and uh, need help. And uh, so are you, do you have uh, goals for uh, including women, um, additional facilities, children? What's, what's the future right. goals? Um, yeah, a, a, ma a major part is what I have to do is stay focused on the men that are here and make sure that they become quality Christian gentlemen. And that, that, that's their success is going to ring a bell here in this community and draw other people into this particular ministry. But uh, beyond that, yeah, we, we, do, we do have some goals and we, we have some dreams. We'd like to start a women's facility uh, in the future. And so we're praying, we're asking God, again, it takes proper staff, proper finances, proper facility, putting it all together, and then it happens. And it's amazing sometimes how quickly things can happen when people get on board, because, because the people, in a sense, God has given them the resources to do this, whether it's the talents or the, uh, the particular abilities or the finances. So when people buy into a dream and a vision, then, then it just explodes. It's, it's not where it takes years and years when we have to have all these committee meetings and analyze the details and take surveys. It's, that's insane. That's insane. It's just people getting excited and motivated to, to put it together and really believing in what they're doing and then getting it accomplished. And so, so, so that's our dream because we, we realized we, we, we had a judge over here uh, about two months ago, and he's sitting at our table, and we're discussing and talking together. And, and so he had mentioned about a woman's program. If we had an interest in doing something like that, we said yes, but we didn't really know exactly what the need was. Well, he basically said, let me tell you, I've been on the bench for about 18 years here. When I first came into this community as a judge, uh, the facilities over there in Duffield the jail there, they did not have a, any facilities for the women. It says that has developed and it's blossomed in the last 18 years. He said every once in a while, a woman would offend, violate, and we had to place her into another regional jail because we didn't have any facilities in Duffield. He says now 37% of the inmates there at Duffield are females. And so, so we've heard that voice time after time after time here in this county and here in this community. And so it becomes obvious that we need to reach out and begin to help women because they too are suffering. Because what's taken place, the, the men have failed the women. And, and when men begin to fail the women, then they, they are left in a, a lurch and a real complicated situation. And so, so when a man loses his manhood, whoo, it affects the entire family. And so the men here in this area need to rise up and reclaim their manhood. And the only way we believe a man can be fully a man if he has a personal relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. And when that begins to occur, then, then his, his wife and his children are knit together and, and, and the household becomes a strong, a strong center. And, uh, and everybody begins feeling well about themselves. Self-image is absolutely important. 
and they begin to sense I'm here for a purpose, just not a random chance. <laughs> and it's glorious when, when the Lord puts things together. It really is. Well, those are awesome. I hope the, those, uh, those goals and dreams and, and ideas are able to come to fruition for, for you and for this program. Um, what is, uh, how can people help? People in the community. How how do how do we help? What's what's a way we can help, and how, and how do we get a hold of you? How do we communicate? I think there's a lot of folks in Lee County. I think uh, the the majority would agree that there is a definite problem with uh, with drugs and substance abuse. I think it's uh, deteriorated the uh, um, a, a lot of communities. I think that there is uh, you know they they called the uh, the Oxycontin, wave of Oxycontin years ago as it came in, the scourge of the Appalachians, is it's been nicknamed, and, um, you know, all through the Appalachian Mountains in southwest Virginia. And then, um, of course, uh, you know, talking to various law enforcement and, and so on, they back in the in the day when Oxycontin first hit, they thought that was the, the law enforcement nightmare. Um, ever to hit the planet, so to speak, and, and uh, now with meth and um, e even worse, worse drugs, you know, law enforcement says it's a, it's a hundred times worse than it ever was. And it affects, it affects people um, if, if you actually, and I don't know the, the exact recent statistics, but the, the statistical value of the actual people that are in our communities that are partaking in these terrible drugs is staggering. Um, and then, you know, anybody that has even thought about that knows that, you know, once you, once you start taking something, it's, it's the monkey on the back. It's pretty much, it'll get you. And then it's just a downhill spiral. And, and like you're saying, you know, it's, it starts with the, with the, with the man, the head of the house, and uh, it's going to filter down through the family, through their, you know, significant others, wives, and, and children. So instead of doing generational, uh, you know, downward spiral, you know, what can we do to stop an impact? And I think a lot of folks either don't know that a program like this exists, or if it does, how do we, um, how do we get involved? And, you know, then there is... Uh, there is the other side is is this uh, do you have to be part of the ministry to help uh i don't think not necessarily i think you'll answer that but how can we help what's a, what's the easiest way that uh, a person can show support for this ministry i think the fastest way is to to give me a call personal call on my telephone so we can sit down and talk if if you are concerned about what's taking place here in Southwest Virginia concerning the drug and the alcohol abuse and you're serious, you're activated, you're motivated to get involved, then we need to, we need to find out what your fit is. We need to find out what resources you can bring to the table or if you're willing to be trained. We're, we're great on training. We'll train anybody. But so, but so basically it comes down to the heart. Uh, I really want to be a help in some way. If you'll contact me, then we'll begin 
to use your abilities to, to further this program and to help people move forward uh, and to move out of the drug and the, and the alcohol uh, circumstances. I, I, I think by the, guy that, by the time the guy's 20, 25 years old, he, and he's still on drugs and alcohol, he, he realizes he's got an issue and I think he's tired. He's just tired of it, but he doesn't have anybody that's gonna give him anything that's solid. And when a person goes to a, a rehabilitation program for 14 days or 28 days, everybody, everybody, whether you're part of the, the uh, Department of Health uh, or if you're, you're part of a faith-based program, everybody realizes that is not enough time. It doesn't work. Everybody's throwing their hands up and saying, we need something more. And, and, and that's what we're trying to provide. And there's obviously many, many other places like us we're trying to pr provide long-term help. So we have a six month to a year program here. And if the guy's gotta stay here two years, what do I care? You know, just take the room in the back and be quiet and, <laughs> and go forward for the Lord. There's a, there's a college about se se seven minutes away from us. If a guy needs a college education, if he wants to get his associates, if he's intellectually capable of doing that, come on, come on home and let's get it done. If you need a GED, just go down to Duffield. It's another seven, eight minutes away. We'll help you get your GED. If you need a job training, you have the ropes program there. If you need your license, the ropes program is there. If you need some basic, uh, uh, a job, these people, there's so much help, help here right now. And it just takes, if a man's really concerned, I want better. I want to move forward. I'm tired of this lifestyle then come on, let's get it done. Let's go forward. And, and the opportunity's there. And don't say, well, nobody ever cared about me. Well, that may have been true in the past, but it ain't true now, brother. You see, if you want your help, if you want to get your life straightened out, it's happening right here, right now, and you can be a part of it. And so tell us your, tell us your phone number. Where, where are people calling? It's you got your pen and pencil? You got to get it down. You got to get it out. 276-861-4124. 276-861-4124. Listen, we love you and we care. We certainly care. Couple last questions and uh, then we'll close this out is um, how... And, and let's we'll do real brief answers to these. How does a man get into the program? By way of application, you either call us, contact us, we'll give you an application, we can email, we can get it out to you. We will actually deliver it to your house. That'll give us an opportunity to interview you almost immediately, find out who you are. And that's the basic, basic game plan. We start with the application. And if you feel comfortable with what we're doing, we feel comfortable with you, come on home. Let's start the process. So you're not just taking anybody and everybody. It is a uh, along the theme of you can help those that want to help themselves. And you want to make sure that there's a true fit between you, the program, and so on. Is that correct? Yes. Yeah, yeah there has to be some type of screening process uh, because, you know, you got it's a guy, guy that's homeless. He just wants a place for the winter. Well, we're a little bit beyond that. 
You know, if you want to get straight, if you want some structure in your life, if you're serious about wanting to work in two or three or four months, whenever you're ready for that, then let's do it. Okay. Um, is this a court order program? Uh, it, yeah, it can be. I mean, if you're listening <laughs> from jail, uh, just go to your representative, your pro officer. They uh, met most of them here in this area know what we're doing already and they will help you to get into this program if you're on the street and you're just over at a buddy's house in the in the den hanging out you want something more than the den you want something more than just getting stoned again tonight come on let's let's get it together let's see a man's got a man up you know you just got to say enough's enough i've had it uh, wasted life a lot of a lot of the people have a whole lot of potential you'd be shocked i mean guy there he's smart i mean these these guys are intelligent right. people it's just been wasted it's not that they well i have a low iq and i can't handle handle the book work and and the program no these guys excel sure so the last question and this is probably the uh this is a, another elephant in the room that's the money question so is this program funded by Government money, grant money, or taxpayer money? Oh, well, basically, it's funded by individuals and by churches, and okay. that—that's where the so my ta my taxes are because um, there's people in the community that they they don't want to see progress, they don't want to help, they all they're concerned about is is this costing me taxpayer money uh, to fix that drug guy? You know what I'm saying? Uh, they don't want no part of that. Yeah. That, may, that, may, that may sound rough, but hey, it it's real. That's what that's some the mentality of of some folks, and they're and they're fine. That's fine. That's uh, part of being American. They get to have their own opinions and stuff like that. Right. So I'm asking you point blank: Is this uh, currently funded by my taxpayer money or anybody else in the county? Is this government funded or is this a private funded um, program at this point? Yeah, we're a nonprofit or organization, and so we're simply looking for private donors, or or again anybody who's willing to help us. So we did receive some grant money from the Lee County Community Foundation. If you're listening, thank you. <laughs> Hopefully, we're talking together soon again. Right? Uh, they were such a blessing. I, I mean, the facilities on the first floor. Basically, 90% of what's here is because of their love and their grace being shown towards us. So, uh, but other than that, it's basically people donating and I'll go to the post office box and pull out a check and put it into the bank and we'll use it to help others and to glorify the Lord. Yes. So, a way a, way a person can help is really just uh, call and... Uh find out what they can do either you know it's always time content money you know what what can you have it, it uh, doesn't have to be always about uh, opening a checkbook it might be somebody that wants to donate their time or efforts or maybe they have uh, uh, a business that has certain resources that could help your your program so really it's a matter of communication uh, both from people in the community to yourself and the program um, and so in, in closing, uh, I would like to 
uh, have people, if they need to communicate either through the phone number we've already listed, um, or they can go visit your Facebook page, which is facebook.com forward slash uh, Christ, T, or no, let's see, Recovery T Christ, I believe is how it was. Yeah, yeah, if you just, just go to Google Recovery Through Christ Ministries, Pennington Gap, Virginia, and you'll mm -hmm. get, get right on the, the page. There yes. you go. And they can share and, uh, and start uh, you know, collaborating back and forth. I think the more people in the community that know about this program, uh, the more attorneys in the area, there's a lot of, a lot of great attorneys in our, in our county that are interacting, obviously liaisoning between their clients, which may be people who have you know, had uh, problems from their substance sure. abuse, whatever. Um, and, uh, you know, they're the liaison between them and the, and the court system and, uh, you know, the various law enforcement stuff like that. I think more, uh, involvement, uh, from those folks will help people that, uh, that may have problems, you know, give them, give them a little bit of a wake up call that there are programs like this, uh, that they can seek help from in the county. And, uh, then also between the more, uh, folks in the legal system, as far as uh, private lawyers, that will also encourage more involvement from the Commonwealth Attorney. Um, our Commonwealth Attorney in Lee County, uh, Fuller Cridlin, very progressive and uh, in things in, in programs. And, uh, you know, my opinion of him is he doesn't just want to prosecute you for, uh, for things. He wants to actually get to the root and, and do what his office can in, in helping. And then, then, of course, between those uh, back and forth connections, you know, obviously brings in um, the powers that will, which are the judges that are actually. Yeah, could I, you know, can I share a thing. story before we close? Absolutely. It, it's, a, it's from the Bible. It's a, obviously, everybody knows the story of the Good Samaritan. You have a man wounded, left for dead on the side of the road. Here comes the priest, goes over, keeps on moving. The Levite comes over. Mm-hmm doesn't want to get involved he keeps on moving it's a Samaritan and the scriptures say that that the Samaritan he looked upon him and he had compassion on him and that's what this takes uh, a lot of people can hear this radio program but if you don't have any compassion or if it's if it's mild uh, if you don't have a burden or a concern for your for your uh, your brother here in this world, then you're not going to do anything. Basically, you're just going to go on with your life. So we're looking for people who are stirred up and who have a compassion and a concern for people and the community here in Southwest Virginia and want to rise up and do something effectively to help your fellow man out. And that's what this program is all about. And God bless one and all. Amen. Well, you know, there's a, there, was a, there was a recent post in social media um, it was uh, it was actually somebody had gotten arrested for meth, and they there was lots of comments uh, as people make comments on posts. Lots of comments thanking the law enforcement for doing their job to get that off the street. And I think we're all anything anybody can do to get that away from us is is a positive thing. So, but then there was then there what what I really note took notice of, which goes along with the the story you just told was there was lots of comments that said thanks for getting it off the streets the meth but don't just put this person in jail this person needs help give the person gets the person some help 
and there was there was a lot of posts. I mean, it was uh, in excess of 20 different comments, all saying the same thing. And I thought, you know, that that's the public crying out uh, yeah. that there's a need for this type. So, exactly. um, you know, I really appreciate you taking the time today. Um, this, uh, this program is a little bit longer, but if somebody actually is interested and they listen to this, I think they're going to get a good gist on what you're doing and, and what we can do in Lee County. You know, they say, uh, Lee County, um, if you, uh, depending on which end you come from is the beginning of Virginia. Some people say it's the end of the end of the road. I don't think it's the end of the road. I think we're the beginning of the state of Virginia. And wouldn't it be great to, you know, utilize this program and our uh, beautiful county uh, in Lee County here as a as a pilot, as right. an example for, right. you know, the rest of the state and the rest of at least in in southwest Virginia and, and stuff. So um, thank you, Jack, for uh, for taking this time and wish you all the success in uh, recovery through Christ Ministries, and this is a wrap.